Welcome, Squire Empire listeners, to another hitter of an episode. I got my man Devo on. Met this guy back in 2015, back when we were training in the mean streets of South Korea. And he was able to show the platform some love. I mean, the man can do it all. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, a father, senior NCO in the Air Force. What can he do? So sit back, relax, and we appreciate you stopping by. All his information will be in the description box below. episode of the squire empire podcast i got my man devo here how you doing man doing good brother how about yourself hey not too bad good to catch up with you man it's been a while yeah it's been what five years almost yeah it's been a long time man it's it's good to catch up with you glad for you support the brand the, the, the movement that's going you know as fellow practitioner man it's good to see you willing to look out for us, you know, us little young purple belts out there trying to make trying to make a wave, you know? Oh, man. Ain't, ain't like that. Just got to support oh, the brother. That's all Absolutely, it is. Man. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, so uh, the, the I know you real well, but the, the, the crowd, they don't know you. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Devin Fields. I go by Devo, mostly. Um, interesting story on how I got that nickname. I'll tell you on the next episode. Um. Jiu-Jitsu black belt, been training for about 10 years, um, mostly consistently, outside of, you know, a few injuries, which probably got worse because I kept training. Uh, photographer, love photography. Um, I love coffee. I love taking naps. Um, love being a father. I got a great son. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's me in a nutshell. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing, giving that background. And, and you know what, you actually like led into like, you know, one of the biggest things with this podcast is, there's just, you know, there's so many people telling you, get your life to right, you know, get your life on track. But a lot of time they don't give you enough of the context needed to like, really like, how do I as a 20 year old person who's trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be about? Like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to model? And, you know, part of the acronym life is like legacy. I heard you had a son. Can you give us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, had a son very early on in life. Um, I was 19 when he was born. So, yeah, he's 13 now. He'll be 14 uh, later this year. November. Okay. Nice. So, like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure for you, that's a big part of the legacy that you want to leave behind being you said love being a father you you you, you know dads don't get a lot of good press nowadays so we, they we don't say that. <laughs> we don't luckily for me uh my son's mother is great so we have a great relationship uh as friends you know we didn't work out but that doesn't mean we can't co-parent you know that's a word being thrown around a lot these days co-parenting we do a pretty good job at that so um he's, he's coming up the right way that's good that's good so like so of course, you know, when we think about legacy, I think kids is what most people's like go to, but like, you know, I've seen, been looking at you on social media, you're talking about like starting a little academy and stuff like what other like leg legacy type aspirations do you have? Yeah. So, um, 
I have been in the military for 14 years, almost 15. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that that will not be my legacy. Once I started training jujitsu, I knew from the very first year, before I even got my blue belt, that I was going to own, operate a, an academy and train people in the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I wanted to share my love and my art to other people. Um, over the years of that being a dream, the dream evolved. It didn't change. It just evolved into me wanting to uh, run a fight team, uh, a mixed martial arts fight team, and teach the jiu-jitsu ground aspect of that. And that's the legacy that I, I really want to leave. Um, you know, outside of family, of course, family. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, jujitsu, and yeah, that's gonna be the legacy that I leave. That's dope. You know, as a as a young little purple belt myself, man, I tell you, one of the things I've always respected about the instructors is that you know, there's the business aspect and there's the teaching aspect. So you mm -hmm. know, we we as younger belts, we can sit back and watch a quick YouTube video and kind of like, eh, okay, I might throw some stuff out. But like to see, you know, the instructors have to put a lesson plan like three months out, you know, working and and, and then making sure that your your brown belts are, are are sharp to like keep those fine details when you have classes of 20, 40 people. So mm -hmm. I really think that's like really, you know, commendable to like want to take on those two significant burdens of uh, trying to run a business successfully, <laughs> profitable <laughs> and, you know, um, also like passing forward the art and, and 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 kind of addressing some of the old fundamentals that that we both have grown to love but also being able to address the new fancy stuff that's out there you know yeah that's most definitely a balance i mean you know we we've rolled i don't know how many times over that that year span but my game is all fundamental and basic i like to say i have lazy jujitsu a lot of close guard a lot of half guard a lot of top pressure and passing you won't see me doing too many Baron Bolos. <laughs> Don't mean I can't teach it or oh, counter it. I know it. I just won't be doing it. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's that's the key is like having the awareness, but being able to know where your your wheelhouse is. And mm -hmm. I can I can think of just this weekend. Um, I was training, and um, my professor here was like. Is, is he over there experimenting with clothes guard? <laughs> and, oh, wow. and there was a little sense of concern he had, like, like I'm used to this dude being a top guy. I can't, I, I'm really not trying to deal with him being a top person and also having a, a clothes guard that I have to address. So I, I definitely can see that there's so much, you know, um, so much needed to, like, make sure you understand the balance and respect and, like, where you came from and then being able to show people that, that although there's a lot of flashy stuff out there, the the basics are what will you know keep you safe from a self defense standpoint. Of course, and also make sure when you're in a sports situation, you can make sure you keep you know yourself healthy and kind of avoid some of those injuries that you talked about earlier. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So of course, you know, I think for us, we're kind of lucky enough to have martial arts as like a big inspiration. But like outside of that, like what's a big um, driving motivator that you have. I know your son is probably, that's an easy one. And oh, yeah. probably the, the younger white belts and blue belts that you have that are growing up under your tutelage. Like, but what else you have that that's like inspiring for you? This is interesting because um, I'm in school right now, um, taking college courses. 
uh, for photography, mm. but one of the assignments in my composition class, which is great because I write a blog too, so composition is amazing, was to write about inspiration. Mm. So my inspiration was, I don't know, three paragraphs long, or maybe longer than that, just listing off the people. Number one, like you said, my son. Um, but before my son, my mom and my grandmother were my inspiration because they, they raised me. All right. So I never, ever wanted to let them down. So that became a driving force. My son came around, same thing. I can't have him be disappointed. You know, I, I never, ever wanted to be the type of father that I had. So my son inspires me to be better. Um, I guess you could say negative people became a positive inspiration because you didn't want to be what they were, hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, of course, uh, inside of jujitsu, I have my inspirations. And uh, to be completely honest, they aren't any famous people. Uh, my professor from Japan, uh, Rodrigo, uh, Professor Kuya, you know, our professor from Korea. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I got to California, my coach, Professor Bryant, Professor Joe, um, the team there mostly, um, mostly the entire team, you know, Terrence, Blake, Caesar, uh, Amini, uh, both the Rickies. We got a pretty Ricky. We got an ugly Ricky. We, <laughs> we, we just say that to, to, to separate yeah, and like, differentiate, yeah. you know. Uh, Lino, Andrew. Um, I hope I'm not missing anybody from the fight team. But, yeah, those guys, Sonny, Coach Sonny, the owner of the gym that I was training at, Train for Life, who definitely inspired me from. And you talk about super person. This guy has three kids. One of his daughters is uh, on a trait to breed. He runs an academy. He teaches boxing and kickboxing for the academy. He teaches Kajukimbo for the academy. Um, and he is the head MMA coach for the fight team. So he's there Monday through Saturday on top of taking care of his family. Yeah. Right. And traveling with the fight team for every fight. Every fight. Um, yeah, so that's a big inspiration. I'm learning a lot from him um, and uh, Eric from Train for Life as far as business is concerned. So being under them for two years was amazing. Um, here I have uh, Chris, Professor Chris, and then the new Professor Ray and the team at Portella is uh, pretty inspiring to see those guys get after, especially the older guys. You know, I'm considered young over there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I'm sorry, man. So I told you my inspiration is a little long. You know, no, uh, you're good. There's just one thing I wanted to uh, just pinpoint before the audience misses because there's there's so many layers to it. But I I think a big thing that I caught on as you were going through it is there's so much accountability for you because you have inspirations within the things that you love, like mm -hmm. taking a college class where you you want to get a good grade in it, of course. Um, the business aspect, learning that. And then like, even as a professor, you have people that are been training longer than you who've been like impressionable. So that level of like persistent accountability, I feel like it from, from my vantage point, listening to you, it just keeps you on track because throughout the things you do that you love to do and the things that you kind of have to do because they're your responsibility, 
you constantly have someone looking over you and you're looking over someone's shoulder to make sure that you're moving in the way that you're supposed to. Right. Right. And to add on to that, uh, it's kind of like we say in the military, you know, uh, feedback goes both ways up and down. Right. So when I was naming off the list of fighters, I'm technically like, even though I'm not physically in California, they still consider me a coach and I can still consider myself one of their coaches. Mm they inspire me upward so that I'm still on my toes learning and getting better so that I can give them techniques and, and advice. So I can't even be stagnant because they rely on me to be better. You know? Absolutely. One thing you said that I think, you know, only, only the hardcore practitioners can relate to during COVID was a, a, a hard time for a lot of us because we had to, you know, unless you were lucky enough to have your your uh, your significant other to be a, a practitioner, your your training opportunities were really limited. And I remember so many professors of all different rank levels were definitely taking the time to like put out videos and, yeah. and working. And you know, I even bought a grappling dummy and some mats to just to just try to keep your skills up. So I can definitely see that. I think COVID for a lot of people opened our eyes as far as how committed really are you to this? Are you willing to wear a mask <laughs> and train? You know, uh, I think we all went through a lot of ups and downs with that. But like you, like you pinpointed there is when you're part of a team and you know that you're part of something bigger, you have to keep pushing yourself, even though life, injuries, circumstances might put you in a place that you can't keep training. You know, one of the biggest things I always remember in jujitsu that was told to me was like, I don't know a lot of purple belts that quit jujitsu and that always stuck with me. So as I was grinding through white belt and saw like, you know, got to blue and saw white belts to stop training. And I, I was like grinding through the blue. I just kind of kept that in mind that like, you know, if you make it to purple, your the, the, the time, the equity, the energy, the injuries, all the stuff that you put in, like you just, you just can't stop. Like you, you'll figure out how to lazy roll, as you said. You, 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 you take a day off if you need to, and just come watch. You, you'll make those different concessions, but you'll always have that time because you know you're looking at purple belt. You know, I guess six to nine years. Would you say that's pretty average? But how long it takes to get it? Yeah, somewhere around there. What would you? What would yeah. you say? Yeah, I would say um, these days with the way people are training. Um, for us, it's different because we, we travel and move so much. But I would say four to six, four to seven years would be okay. average to, to get one. But again, that depends on the person, how much math time they're putting in, how well they're learning concepts, which is what I like to teach in concepts instead of just techniques. Um, how well they're learning, how well they're applying what they're learning, how well they're even understanding what they're learning. So it it, it all varies, but... hundred percent. Um, yeah, I would say like four to four to seven years average. Yeah. yeah. And and I think you pointed out another thing too, is like us as being in the military, moving, you know, like, you know, I think moving jujitsu gyms for some people can be the same conflict you feel moving from one uh religious institution to another. You know, you have your pastor, you have your your system, your friends, you know, I I go to Sunday school, you know, whatever, whatever you got is on your mind. And then moving to a new academy is kind of like, who are these people? You know, it's hard to uh, lead that family. Hundred percent. And then you think like 
you know, some schools you might train at might be $60 a month and another one might be 120, you know, or right. you might be lucky enough to be in a place like I'm at in Japan where it's free. So yeah, that's nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and free for most people, it, it brings two different connotations. Some people think like, what value could I get out of it? Cause it's free and maybe I won't show up as much. And then you have other people who say, well, it's free. I ain't got nothing to lose. Like, I'm, you know, I'm playing with the house's money. Like, let me put that time in, you know? Yep. You know, for me, everything you said was true as far as like when I, when I PCS or move and pick a new academy, but you know, one of the number one things that get me to pick a, a certain academy or the one, the number one thing I look at. What's that? The schedule. Mm. How often can I train? Like, is it Monday through Friday? Is it how many gi days versus no gi days? What's the time? Do I have time to make it home from work, clean up, and then get to the gym? Do I need to take my stuff to work with me, clean up at work, and then go to the gym? Um, if I miss a class at this time, is there another one after it? Mm. You know, those play a big factor in me as well. For me, uh, yeah. as far yeah. as picking a, an academy. Yeah, and you know, I think what you said is um, kind of like a moment where I realized I was taking jujitsu to a different level was I would have a lot of late days at work. And I know that if I went home, you know, sometimes, I mean, you, like you said earlier, you mm -hmm. like, <laughs> sometimes you, you definitely, sometimes you get home, you're like, man, I just want to take a quick power nap. You know, I just was at work all day, you know, I, it's too late for caffeine. Let me just like, you know, just take a quick 30 minute nap. And then sometimes you look at, at the clock and you think, man, if I make it home, the chance of me making the class ain't going to happen. And I realized mm -hmm. that the days that I was, getting up early in the morning, packing my jujitsu bag and throwing it in the car mm -hmm. and then making that commitment that I'm just going to stay late at work. That way I guarantee I get this session. And I just realized that I'm like, man, I'm taking this like way more serious than I did before, where before it'd be easy just to be like, oh, well, it's kind of late, you know, yeah. I might make it, I may not make it, you know, so. Yeah. If you could pack your stuff, put it in your car and commit to going straight from work, those are some of the best days of training ever because it's like you're super tired already so everything is on autopilot like your your brain might be foggy as far as whatever's being taught but you roll better it's almost yeah. like and i'm about to nerd out here it's almost Go ahead. like goku Go ahead. going ultra instinct you know you just your body's moving on its own mm, absolutely it's like and that's what i always tell the younger belts is like I've, I've never had a time where I was tired and I regretted coming to training. The only thing I've ever regretted is a mo sometimes there's a move or a position where you're like, I should let my ego go there, but I did it. And then you get injured. But like, there's never been a time where I'm like, man, I can't believe I came to class, you know? And that's why I remember uh, I was TDY in Oklahoma and I showed up to class there often and it was only the brown belt and me and maybe one other person. And I started seeing like, well, I got like a private lesson yep. for just being the only one who showed up. And then when you start yep. seeing how much uh, some people charge for privates, you're like, man, like, so I, I totally, through my journey of PCSing and going to, and even just training TDY, like, hey, I'm only here for two months. I could just chill and just eat and relax. But I was like, nah, like there's a gym here, like keep training. So, you know, I think this all kind of ties into what you're talking, what you're implying is just having different commitment and like, a foundation of like what is important to you and like what's the outcome that you want, you know? Mm -hmm.
Most definitely. So like, so I would say commitment's a big foundation for like how you govern your life. Like what else would you say is like, like things that are like key for you being able to keep being who you are? The way my mama raised me, simple, plain and simple. Like, you know, a lot of people have uh, religious beliefs that keep them grounded and to make them do good things. Um, A lot of people have incentives as far as uh, stuff from their job to get bonuses or they want to get promoted, whether it's work, martial arts promotions, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mine is basically being taught right from wrong from my mom, my grandmother. Like going back to inspiration, um, my inspiration and foundation are basically the same. Like I don't want to let people down. So that's what keeps me, me grounded, and, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can agree with that. I mean, I'm a Southern boy by heart and a lot of country and back back uh, back days sayings and impressions that my dad uh, like left with me with. I noticed as I got older, a lot of those things that I kind of tried to steer away from in my in my 20s, they all kind of like started actualizing as I got older and I just sit back and I, now I try to use that uh, that mindset as a big brother. To be like, bro, you ain't got to go through the hard way because right. when, you're, when you're raised so traditionally, yeah, like there's a lot of like worldly secular ideas of like, oh, we can try this and this is new and that's the old way. But I feel like a lot of times the old way is the best way. You just have to be patient. No different than you talked about earlier about the foundations of, you know, you know, jujitsu moves like a, a old school triangle will, 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 will always be there to support you. You know, it's all the same. <laughs> no matter how you get there. to that triangle, it's still a triangle. Absolutely. So you I gotta, think, you got to learn a, a closed guard triangle before you learn a flying triangle. Absolutely. And I mean, any, anybody who's a regular practitioner has seen people doing flying and triangles and, and land on their spine and, and, and hurt their neck and stuff and turn Knock themselves out. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, so you, and let's just talk about that for a second let's think about how many months you know you've been paying mat fees and and at your academy right and you go out there and throw all those months away for 80 dollar t-shirt and a medal (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean it's like at a tournament is that that really is that the legacy you want to leave like yeah i spent six months training my butt off for this tournament and i risked it all uh, for an $8 t-shirt and a medal. And now I can't train for the next four months because I let If you pride. even get a medal, if you made it to the medal rounds. Exactly. You know, and, you know, and that, I think that's one of the things that, you know, as much as we love competing, uh, you know, and training, I think you, you learn as you move, you start seeing those gaps in your game, you know, the gaps in your foundation. Cause you might be at one gym and you're just a hammer and everybody else is a nail. You go to a different gym and you start learning like, man, like I had some obvious like weaknesses in my game, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's the good thing about cross training and, and, and for us moving so much because you get so comfortable with other people, you know how to quote unquote defeat their game or beat them at practice. Like there's no winning or losing at practice, but, um, and then you move or you go to a different gym and somebody is good at countering what you're good at. So you need to evolve and become better. So. Yeah, absolutely. That, I learned that here. I had we got some we got some 
Got some big uh, white belts and blue belts, six foot two, two and some change. And I tell you, sometimes when I'm I'm uh, on I'm on bottom, I'm like, man, like can I can I pray to get the half? Can I? Yeah, I'm about can to I say get... half guard. <laughs> like can I can I get a butterfly hook in for a second? And I and I'm just glad that I had those bodies. So then that way, when I as I progress, I can be able to like hold hold my own and things like that. So mm -hmm. so so like what about, you know, I think, you know, as a practitioner, you're tearing your body up. Like, what do you do like as far as like 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 taking care of your health and stuff like that? Like what what what, what kind of things do you kind of keep consistent to try to make I sure that your body is able to train? I sleep a lot. Um, okay. Every chance I get, I'm. I used to take a lot of naps at lunch, too, but um, I've been busy so much now. Um, but uh, I just started physical therapy again. Uh, okay. My doctor actually did, or yeah, he actually did dry needling. Oh, that's good. On me, that's oh, good. It's good. I love it. Yeah, so I'm stretching a lot, a lot of yoga, a lot of uh, like I said, physical therapy. Um, just trying to stay loose, you know. I still work out a lot. Well, I'm trying to get back into it. I'm just coming over, um, being sort of injured. Just nagging, nagging, lingering injuries since like I don't know when, but try to eat healthy as healthy as possible. Yeah, try to stay hydrated. That's that's probably the key, especially being here um, in Denver. The altitude, man. I, I'm used to drinking like a gallon a day. I need at least a gallon and a half or two gallons just to feel like I drink water. Dang. Okay, yeah, it's that's crazy. Different. You learn different stuff. I, you know, one thing I learned in my jujitsu journey that I've been applying here is I used to just be that try hard and I used to just roll every single match, no mm -hmm. problem. And then I started being like, you know what? I'm gonna start taking these water breaks and just getting a sip in. And I noticed that my performance went like completely different, you know. So mm -hmm. I can it's 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 you it's interesting that you say that because there's these there's those small little tweaks that you make over time that like you talked about you implied you talked about earlier about um being cloudy and you're like man like i just don't feel like i'm performing at like what i think like all the effort and time i'm putting in and you said like you imply like uh maybe you're not working out you know consistently and keeping your like body strong and maybe you're not saying flexible like have you tried like foam rolling or anything like that oh yeah a foam roll yeah that's something oh, yeah. i probably do today but yeah, there's all those little things and like nagging injuries are definitely a key thing in jujitsu. Like I think during COVID, I gave myself a lot of time to work on my feet because my feet were just just wrecked from just like where you're sitting. And I think a lot of it came from just uh, being in people's clothes guards and just not being in a good posture where my feet and my knees and my feet were just crushed. And then like COVID really gave me enough time. And now I feel like, man, like brand new. So definitely like longevity is a key in jujitsu mm -hmm. for sure that like get to where you want to be so oh yeah for sure which is why when i roll i people say no ego at the door all of that that's bs everybody's got an ego <laughs> but one thing that i don't care about is if someone taps me i don't care if it's a brand new white belt a blue belt visiting person whoever right so if I'm rolling and I feel like I need to sit out, but there's an odd person, I will roll again, and I'm perfectly fine. Perfectly fine, just playing defense. I will sit there and let you pass guard and try to recover. I would defend your submission attacks, and if you catch me, you catch me. You got it legitimately because I'm, I'm trying to play defense. But um, 
a good way to progress in this game is learning how to train every match or every every round doesn't have to be a a world championship finals match you know we're just all trying to learn and get better so yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not like flopping around like a dead fish or anything. I'm yeah, resistance. I'm just not attacking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think so much we talk, uh, we've been like on like the fitness piece, but a lot of it ties into just like conserve your energy in general. Like there's some times where you just may not be in a good spot, like to go to jiu-jitsu, like you just, you're just like, you'd be more of a hindrance or put yourself at, at, at a place to get hurt or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that's just, and also in life, right? It's all about being like mindful of like what you put your energy into or like, hey, maybe I won't go to jiu-jitsu today. I'll just take this time to stretch and recover mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm good, you know? Or sometimes you have to say, hey, I know I wanted to lift weights and do jujitsu, but I could put myself at too much like strain to do that. So like, let me, let me do this a different kind of way. So like, when you think about outside of the mats, like what other things do you feel like you you have to like be mindful of to make sure that you're you're not overextending yourself? Uh, conserving my mental energy. Um, don't really have a choice as far as your day job, but you do have a choice where who you give that energy to. So if people want to come around and just BS all day say no get your work done stay focused keep your mind on your goal for after work whether it's going to the gym to work out or go to the academy to train that way you still have that mental fortitude to get it done and um, i'm really big on uh transfer of energy mm. so if people give me like bad energy i'm staying away from them mm. I, I won't come around i won't be around you because at the end of the day i'm going to be drained mm. and i can't do what i want to do right yeah absolutely and then uh to add on to that even just being around so many i'm I'm not for this works for me and other not people person yeah so i'm 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 really an introvert which is why i was so nervous before this this podcast Mm -hmm. um if i'm a if if i'm out and about i'm doing that monday through saturday and it's like by the time the weekend hit i'm i'm drained just emotionally mentally drained so sunday i don't do anything i don't i sunday is my my cleanup day fold my laundry or excuse me do my laundry fold my laundry meal prep i'm cooking i'm getting ready for the week ahead of me i'm uh, doing stuff that i like to do working on photos um maybe studying video for a a fight that one of the fighters have coming up or, or something like that but Sunday is my do not leave the house unless absolutely necessary day. Yes. Even like not even interacting with people, but just being around people transfers energy and you have to get rid of their energy in order for you to be you. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of just preserving your own sense of sanity is so important. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I think I learned that a lot through proximity of seeing people come to train either that whether they have their kids there or um they they have kids at home i'll see that you know us without kids or families or whatever we can sit back and just go train and do all the rounds and then people who have 
other responsibilities would be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the warm-ups, I'm gonna go through the actual instruction, I might hit two, two open mat rolls, and then I'm out, you know. Yeah. And you know, for people who don't like have that conflict, they're just like, I should you should train till till coach says we're shutting it down. But like you said, like there's only so many hours in a day, there's only mm-hmm. so much you can give. And if you like you think about us, right? Like I'm a, I'm a person who works out before work because I know working out after work ain't going to work. So if I get up in the morning, I'm at the gym at five, come home, shower, uh, change, go to work, uh, manage people, lead people, put out fires, and then take my jujitsu bag and, and run to jujitsu. When I get home, I might want to get home, just be home with my, with my wife or just like hang out, relax, just watch the fight that I didn't get to see. Just like find some way to like reconnect to mm-hmm. what I want to do. So that way the next day I can get up and hit the gym again. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely mm-hmm. uh, think it is so important for people to find what works for them to recharge their batteries. And I think the same way, like, I think I'm naturally very much an introvert as well. I think it's really important for people who are those social butterflies. I think they got to also find that inner peace to be able to be okay with be, <laughs> be by themselves, you know? Yeah. So I, I think a lot of it is, um, is interesting, like, you know, us being similar in some things and like different is like, uh, it's like you think about a fight companion, you know, some, some people would want to do nothing more than have all their friends over and sit back and really talk about all the fights that are happening. And then sometimes like us, the introvert way might be like, look, I'm gonna put a Facebook post out. You put your, <laughs> you put your pics up. I put my pics up. We get some yeah. likes and some, and some comments and then we keep it moving. So you're still connected, but, but you keep the distance needed to be able to, to keep putting your energy in where, where you need to. So like when your son or your wife or your kids, you know, or your, or your mom or, you know, family members need extra things from you. If you're not as drained, if you're not as taxed, you have more that you can give, you know? Right. Exactly. And I definitely feel like um, I used to watch fights. We used to uh, get the fights and watch them all together uh, in California. But after the fights was over with, I'm like, well, I don't know what y'all about to do, but I'm going home. Or they were (laughs) over at my place. I'm like, so uh, what are y'all about to get into? Yeah. It's time for me to go to bed. Yeah. But here is like, I think I went out once since, since I've been to Denver to watch the fights to at a at a restaurant and it was cool because you know I'm, I'm at the table with with my group but man i'm like i'm not doing this too often i i'd much rather pay the 75 or whatever however much it costs now for the pay-per-view than to go out and deal with other people especially yeah. drunk people so i oh, just yeah. keep my sanity i stay home yeah i feel you Speaking of Denver, like we might have some listeners that are out in that area, like they might be thinking about moving to that area or, you know, things like that. Like what, what can you share that you've learned about Denver after coming from Cali? I mean, you went from, you know, sandy beaches and sunshine and amazing food to, you know, uh, I'm not really sure what's out there. I've never, never actually like lived there. I mean, I've only just passed through. So what can you tell us about Denver? So this is all going to sound negative, but. I'm on a right on the outskirts of Denver. It's a little town called, well, not little. This is big to me. I'm from the country. Uh, This is Aurora. Um, I learned that I don't like driving to Denver because of traffic. 
Um, I don't like traffic, man. Coming from California to this was better traffic, but it's still traffic going to the city. You know, you're going to get traffic going to any, any big city. Um, food is great though. Mm. Anything you could want, man, there's Thai, there's Japanese, Korean, um, Indian, Southern, Cajun, vegan. If you're into that type of stuff, I'm not, there's literally Italian in any, any type of food. I'm, I love food. Me too. Any type of food you want, they have it here. Okay. Um, there seems to be a lot of competitions popping up now that COVID is starting to, I'm not going to say slow down, but people are not caring about it as much anymore. Um, so competitions are popping back up. I went to a fight to win a couple months ago. My boy, Sean, uh, got me in. He works for fight to win. Got me. I was taking pictures over there. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, um, Denver, or in this, the surrounding areas, man, anything you want to do. Like, I've been to uh, this wildlife refuge. There's two of them that I've been to maybe five times in the seven months that I've been here. So, um, there's there's stuff to do. There's things to do. The Rockies are here. The, the Broncos, the Nuggets. So, if you love sports, you can get out to some of those games. Um I could probably say this now because this podcast isn't going to come out until after it happens. Mm. Uh, I gave my troop a half a day coming up soon uh, next week for the Rockies opening day. He want to go catch the game. I'm like, man, you've been working your butt off, so you deserve it. You nice. know, come to work at lunch. Just don't come back. Take off. Go catch the game. That's what's it. So, yeah. Um, and then the skiing and snowboarding is like not that far away from here. I'm not into that type of stuff because to me, that's dangerous. I know it's crazy coming from a guy who like tries to hurt other people and they hurt him on a daily basis. But yeah, skiing and snowboarding is dangerous, but that's big in this area as well. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about. Like when you think about your energy, I'm the same way. Like uh, a lot of times on base, they're like, oh, we got intramurals for this and that. And I'm like, I can't be getting hurt in non-jujitsu activities. I just oh, facts. Facts. <laughs> so, so I think unless you're a practitioner, you don't understand, like, this is an unnecessary risk. Like, if I get hurt on the mats, it's like, okay, it's part of the game. I'll, re I'll rehab. I'll watch some YouTube videos. I'll stretch it out, and I'll get back as soon as I can. But, like, getting hurt with, hurt in civilian injuries <laughs> that hurt I don't brain. care about. Exactly. So yeah, I, I definitely uh, understand that a hundred percent. But uh, two other things I wanted to hit on um, as we get ready to start winding down is uh, one thing you say you're from uh, the country. Can you give like, you know, uh, a little bit of backstory about like where you're from and things like that? Born and raised in a small town called New Rose, Louisiana. Okay. It's about 30 minutes from Baton Rouge, the state capital. Mm. Uh, you walk out my house or my trailer. I grew up in a, a two-bedroom trailer with what me and four cousins, my mom and stepdad. So, what seven people in a two-bedroom? You mm -hmm. walk out, and maybe a two-minute walk. You hit the levee, and the Mississippi River's right there. Mm. Yeah, so I'm talking about country, country. There's woods surrounding the neighborhood. There's uh farm on one side and then the, the mississippi rivers on the other side so mm. i grew up doing a lot of fishing um a lot of gardening at my grandmother's house 
just being outside, you know, mm. just getting that fresh air, that good energy, good sunlight, being, being, being in nature. I miss that a lot. So I can't wait for this summer. Right now it's too cold. I'm not going outside. I'm not going fishing right now, but this okay. summer when my son comes to visit, we're, uh, we're definitely going fishing a lot. How long are you going to have him for? Uh, I usually get him for summer break. So from June to the beginning of August, I take him back like the week prior to school starting. Okay. So it's just dad and son bonding time. He's yep. doing his stuff while you're at work and then y'all just like catch Hit the mats. Yeah. Oh, oh he, he trains too. He trains when he's with me. His mom doesn't have the the time to take him where he's at or where he lives in Arkansas. He lives in Arkansas with her. Um, but when he's with me, he doesn't have a choice. Like you're, you're on the mats, whether you're doing boxing or or jujitsu or whatever, you're on the mats. Gotcha. And and it worked out because he had a situation with a bully. Um, a few months ago, I forget exactly when it was, but it was at school, and this kid bullies his friends a lot, and he started bullying my son, little Devin, right? So Devin did the right thing. He walked away from it. The kid follows him. The kid says, your mother does a bad job at raising you or something, like, and then he calls Devin the N-word and hits him. Wow. So he did exactly what he was trained to do clinch takedown side control and then uh i don't think he hit the kid as much as i would wanted him to it's probably terrible for me to say that but bullet <laughs> but bullies need to be dealt with so that they don't bully anymore yeah and uh the whole thing was caught on camera at the in the school gym so he didn't get in trouble and i was so proud of him for defending himself and his friends yeah you know i think i think that that what you just shared is a real big like embodiment of what this podcast is supposed to be about is, you know, he's your legacy, right? You know, he's your inspiration and you laid a foundation for him to be able to say you're strong enough as a person mentally and physically to take care of yourself and your friends. You know what I mean? So I think it's so wonderful to be able to, to, as a father, be able to, to be so impressionable in the things that, you know, as a, as a, you know, I don't have any children, but I can imagine as a child, there's a lot of things that you, Oh, why do I got to go jujitsu? Why I got to go to MA? Like, why I got to do all these things. But then when you have a moment where you need to apply those skills, you can sit back and be like, man. And it, I'm pretty sure that just probably fortified him wanting to, to go to the mats the next time y'all did, huh? Oh, man, he was so excited when he called me or his mom called to, to tell me what happened. He's in the background talking about it. Like, let me talk to him. He's all excited. Dad, you know the thing, what I used to do to kids at jiu-jitsu, how I pick them up? And you told me not to slam them like that, but I could do it if I get into a real situation. That's what I did. I picked him up and I, he did a, a body lock takedown. Oh, yeah, um, Khabib-like, okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and he's only 13, but, man, he's strong. He could pick mm. me up, and I'm mm. 220. He could pick me up. So I feel sorry for this kid. Like, whatever you did to make Devin mad was your fault, but you, you picked on the wrong one that day. Man, like, this dude, dude got his body and his ego hurt, but hopefully he, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he, he learned a lifelong lesson. Awesome. Hopefully. Hopefully. 
Hopefully. But yeah, that's one thing like my mom taught me from early age and I got into a lot of fights growing up. But one thing I can say is I never started a fight. Mm. So um, I was always taught to defend myself. Um, they hit me, hit them back. Not necessarily wait for them to hit me, but always defend yourself. So I, I impart that on my kid as well. And not just my kid, all of my kids. If your child is in a class that I'm teaching, they're my kid as well. Mm. Like you get the same, Everybody get the same treatment. The same tough parenting, the same tough love, the same love. Um, if it needs to be tweaked for a certain person or a certain kid, I will. But your children are going to be treated the same as mine, right? That, Which is that's crazy because my ownership you don't hear often is yeah. like, but may, you know, but maybe that's like a, a benefit that I never really took into context is you know, when when I've seen people teach kids classes it's more so just the person who has the time and the, the patience, I think more so to be able to teach. But I never, until you said that, I never really clicked on that ownership that if you were a parent and you were also teaching a kid's class, there's a level of ownership of not just making sure that your kid gets better and learns what they need to learn, but also the safety of all the other kids in there. So that's something that's, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Cause these kids, um, as a coach, you know their background, but you don't know everything because a lot of times the parents just drop the kids off and treat it like daycare and leave. So you don't know what the kid has at home. So in theory, you become a pseudo father figure for these kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to consider myself to be a role model or anything, but um, my job isn't just to teach jujitsu, it's to teach life lessons as well. And I really, really pride myself in taking that to heart and doing the best of my abilities. And it, uh, man, I don't know how many times we used to call it Thursday Thursdays after practice on Thursdays, we would sit at the gym and have a couple of drinks, you know, mm-hmm. talk about what's going on in our life or whatever us, the coaches pretty much. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, a few of the people who trained or whatever. And I remember talking to Sonny and like crying. Because I would literally cry every time a kid left my class and stopped training. Especially if I was new to the gym and took over. Mm-hmm. And they were training already and then they stopped after I came. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Why did they stop? You know, Because I know how important martial arts is. Especially yeah. to, to a kid. And um, I just had to figure, figure it out for myself. And like through you know mentoring from, from Sonny that we can't control who all stays or who all leaves. We can only uh, worry about, I mean, you worry about who's gone, but your focus has to be on who's here. Absolutely. Yeah, but that it it really hurts when someone leaves and doesn't come back. Yeah, you know, what you said just, um, I was having a conversation <clears throat> with CMSR and, uh, that just got here. And one of the things I told him is that I always feel this need to give my younger NCOs the things I never received, but I also have to deal with the internal conflict of they don't appreciate it because they've been getting from their perception, that level of, they, they kind of know, they feel like they know what they need to know. They feel like they're getting all the all the the hand holding and, and guiding and mentorship that they need until they don't get the outcome they they want and then it's kind of like why was i forsaken <laughs> like yeah 
why did they give me this information? And I, and I, and I have to just keep working through that on my own as well as just knowing that as much as I feel a big obligation to give people the information to be who they're supposed to be and, and be good leaders and things like that. At the same time, I can't pick them up like a child and say, you need to learn how to write bullets. You need to look at your airman's uniform. You need to, I can't make them do those things. So all I can do is just provide it. And then mm -hmm. just know that later on in life, I won't feel that it was because of lack of effort. It was more so a lack of application. And I think we can see that in a lot of things in our lives. You know, you can you can read a good book, but if you don't apply anything you learn from the book or 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 take anything from it and try to like actually implement it in your life, it's like, okay, you 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 check the box, you know, like what but what value did you like increase with that, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Same same thing in jujitsu. Because you could take class all day and you could be taught a million different things, but if you don't apply them, you're never going to progress. You're never going to learn how to do that move. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, you know, I think, you know, one thing that I, I love to do on these podcasts is just to give people a chance to um, share like a, you know, whether it's a quote or a saying or something that you find yourself always referring back to is there I mean, definitely being from the South, I think there's probably a lot of things you probably can pull from. But what is something like that you you constantly find yourself like when you're having doubt or questions, you're like, man, like this is something someone said to me that kind of keeps me on track of moving where I want to be at. Like. Oh, man. I don't even know where to begin. Um, a big one is trust the process. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, uh, that one comes from Sunny. Just trust the process, right? Uh, Coach Bride talks about it a lot as well. Just trusting your training, believing yourself. Um, another one is, you know, I, I say all the time, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, no, no idea who first said that, but people are always trying to get that instant gratification, but life isn't about that. You know, you have to grind your way to the top or whatever. Um, not everyone is that talented athlete that can just do things right away you know some of us are a little slower and have to inchworm our way to it but the trust in the process and enjoying the journey is one of the most beautiful things in this world mm -hmm. um another one is uh from professor rodrigo he's like one of my big brothers man he would say never go 100 percent. like you don't you can't sustain going a hundred percent train at 70 burst to a hundred, go back to 70 burst to 95, go back to 70. You know, you can, you can sustain 70, but then those sharp bursts is where you get your, 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 your training partner by surprise. If you will, you know, you, you, you catch them, uh, sleeping because they, they're, they're used to the pace that you're going at. And if you watch any of my tournament matches, especially from, uh, uh, the ones when I was a brown belt, the the submission I caught was a burst to a hundred. It wasn't me going a hundred percent the entire time. For one, I was sick. I was I don't know how sick I was. I was like barely even made it to the tournament. But yeah, you can can uh, dictate the pace and and conserve your energy and then use it when you need to. You go a lot farther and then. 
learning that on the mats, I took it in life. Mm. So I'm not, it is going to sound terrible, but I'm not doing anything to a hundred percent. Like I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent as a photographer. I'm not a hundred percent of my job, 70, 75 doing my thing. And then when it's time, I'm all in. And then I dial it back a little bit and then I'm all in again. And I learned that, uh, being that way allowed me to have longevity in whatever I'm doing, whether it was my career, whether it was a certain job or a certain task or, or the business I started or, or jujitsu in general is by dialing it back and then exploding when I need to, I lasted longer instead of burning myself out. And I see a lot of people get burnt out and quit uh, before they could reach the fruit. Yeah. So like in your life, how, how important would you say like that, that level of self-awareness is to you? Super important super important um i know a lot of people who aren't self-aware they they either they either don't believe in themselves and we try to get them to that level to where they can believe and then once they believe you see this monster come out right and on the flip side there's a lot of people who are too 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 much belief and they aren't truthful with themselves mm -hmm. so you have to find that balance in, in belief and know what's real and what's not uh, believing in yourself is perfectly fine and you should believe in yourself, but you should also know your limitations and work on them. So yeah, that's probably self-awareness is probably the number one thing that you have in your life. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the, the, the last thing I wanted to just, um, kind of like tie a bow on, it's just, it's, I think it's so interesting when you have people that are from different backgrounds, but it's amazing how many sayings can come from different people but they but they intersect and you know what you said about never going 100 percent um one of my favorite uh training partners that i've had he was a blue belt he's a, a full bird colonel and that at this point but we trained together and we were like you know i feel like anybody who's been training for a while typically at every gym you got a nemesis you got that person who oh, yeah. their game and your game are just like it's just like it's just a battle it's a scramble you know it's a you got me i got you type thing and and he was our he was my squadron commander which is interesting because i always said to myself as a younger person training i said man i would just love for my boss to be a jujitsu practitioner so i would never have to stay late at work and they would always make it would always make it so i could make it to class that's what i, they, what I told yeah. myself <laughs> and he said the same thing but not from a jujitsu standpoint but from a work standpoint he said he said i need you guys to be at 80 percent because there's going to be times where you're going to need to throttle up to 100 and i don't need no excuses i don't need no tears i don't i don't want to hear no nothing at all like there's going to be times where that's going to go and there's gonna be other times we can cover like 80 percent is fine and i think when i learned that it just really i combine that with uh are you familiar with david goggins at all Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So like combining that with David Goggins and just not, not leaving things on the table. I kind of was like, Hey, like, Hey, I, I'm in a good spot right now. I can stay a little late at work. I can do this. I can work on this awards package early and doing that. But then there's other times where I'm like, okay, it's put up or shut up. I'll tell my wife like, Hey, I'm going to be at work late all this week, just making sure things get done. And I think just like you're saying, just knowing when to, to, to be aware of, Hey, this, this is a time where I just have to dig deep. And then once you dig deep and you push through and you push through, then you're like, okay, 
now it's time for me. <laughs> now I got to recover. Let me get caught up on some sleep. Let me, you know, call my family. Let me, you know, mail out my mom's, you know, Mother's Day gift two weeks before her birthday and make sure it makes it through customs in time. Like doing those things, I think it's just really important to like, like you said, give yourself enough uh, sustainability for all the things we're juggling, you know? And I think as, as people, there's always somebody pushing for you to do more but you have to be able to be clear about what's on your plate and say, okay, what would lack if I were to take this on? Or maybe there's something that you've neglected that you probably should just let go completely so that way you can be closer to like having a well, a, a more well-rounded life you'd like to live. So. All right. I agree hundred percent. And that's great. That your commander was, uh, was so aware and who he was as a person and as a man to tell his squadron that because a lot of commanders will not they want 100 percent every day all day grind you into the ground until there's nothing left just to get the mission done but he was so aware that he knew that by doing that something was going to fall apart and i'm pretty sure your squadron was amazing because of that though the way he led yeah absolutely i think I think we were definitely all as a team, as a family. And I think, I think the big thing is, you know, I think David Goggins kind of like, you know, when you're in a big leadership position, there's a lot that falls on your shoulders and, and you get paid more money. So there's more responsibility. So you, so you just got to have to understand that with your position, you don't get as many days off, but at the same time, the, creating an environment where your people will go to bat for you. And when you, when you, when you leave, there's a sense of sorrow and loss. Those are the invaluable things. And I, and I think one thing that's always stuck with me is um, when I had my going away, the amount of my jujitsu people who showed up to my going away uh, versus the amount of coworkers definitely spoke volumes to me because I was teaching for free as a, as a, as a young little blue belt, just trying to figure it out. Like I was teaching for free for about a year and just getting off work. Sometimes I'd be in my uniform, take my top off, just be in my OCP bottoms and just out there teaching, just trying to keep it alive because I knew that I wanted to give something that was invaluable to those people. So I, I definitely uh, can see that sometimes you just have to realize that in life, you're part of something bigger and that's mm -hmm. why you can't be at 100% all the time, because then when you can't give that 100, there may not be anybody else who can take your spot, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to bring up those beneath you to a level that they can live on their own. It's just like raising kids, man, I'm telling you. Well, you know, you you grew up, your parents raised you to where you can be um, sufficient on your own. You could walk on your own two feet. You didn't have to rely on them, right? It's the mm -hmm. same thing at work, the same thing at jujitsu. We, we raise up our troops, we raise up our students to be able to walk on their own. And just so it happens, if we aren't there, we know the building isn't going to burn down. They can handle it. And I, I learned that from an early age, too. Again, from Rodrigo, he he taught me how to teach when I was uh, a blue belt, man. He, I would walk in because I'm helping with the kids class, right? Just me, him, and a few other coaches. And he'll, he'll, he'll hit me, call me Debbie. You know, Brazilian, it's Portuguese accent. Debbie, what you going to teach today? I'm like, what? Hey, yeah, you're teaching. What you going to teach today? I'm like, you couldn't take, we texting all day while I'm at work. You couldn't tell me I was teaching tonight? I'm like, no. Mm. So he put me on the spot and made me come up with something to teach. And 
you know, I kept it within the theme of what we've been teaching the kids or whatever, but him doing that for me helped so much to where he trusted me to when he left and went out of town, I taught classes, kids and adults. And I was just a blue belt and there was purple belts on the mat. But I taught the class. And I was like, you guys want to teach? You know, you're hired. I'm like, nah, you teach them. I'm like, okay. So by Rodrigo teaching me how to walk, you know, now I can run. I like that. I like yeah. that. So um, I just really wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time. You know, it's it's always great doing these podcasts with people that you know, because then you realize how little you really know about them, you know, and I I can say it's 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 weird full circle. Like it's, it's it feels like this podcast was perfect timing because I was a, a young little bluebell trying to figure out life and you were a purple belt at the time. And now we look at years later. I'm a young purple belt trying to figure out life and you're a black belt. So it's like, it's kind of like I, I like, you know, like you just said earlier, you like raising the new generation, like, you know, and you know, things happen and you grow and you grow. And uh, Ray, I remember Ray told me one thing in Korea. He's like, like you, you, you got potential to be a purple belt. Like, like I can't believe you're not a purple belt yet. And I, I kind of just like, okay, whatever, you know, and I just kept training and training and, you know, you move base to base and, and you train with all these different people and you kind of like wonder where you're at. And then, you know, like this podcast really just shows you that, like you said, if you trust the process and you trust training around the right partners who can give you the right energy and keep you, keep you honest and keep you accountable, like you can stand the test of time to really do everything you want to do in life. Yeah. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Got to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. If you never quit. So I was talking to somebody. I forget who it was. It was going back and forth. And I was like, bro, if you never quit, you'd be a black belt. Like no one who has, how did I say it? No one who has ever quit earned a black belt. Mm. If you quit before a black belt, you'll never get it. As long as you never quit or or god forbid die early you're gonna yeah. get the black belt you, you're gonna get it it's it's a no-brainer like no one is gonna say that person brown belt 50 years old does not deserve his black belt he mm-hmm. might not be able to beat up some young athletic blue belt but he could handle himself against the layman he could teach his classes he could he could teach the techniques he he know how to do jujitsu at the black belt level so as long as people don't quit, they will get a black belt. But no one wants to trust the journey. No one wants to to enjoy the process, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, another thing that you just said, it's like, it's funny. Like, I, I try to close it out, but there's so much knowledge. And, and like, you know, I, I love the podcast because it gives you chances to share stories and things that, like, are locked in those parts of your brain that you just, if you know, so, so many times we have experiences that if you weren't there, you don't share. So mm-hmm. sometimes you have to have something to trigger you. And one of the things I remember was like you said, cross training. Like I was literally driving like an hour and a half one way to go train at a bigger gym just so I could get some extra reps in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I went to a seminar and uh, uh, there was a black belt that were training there and they had another black belt who came in. But so it's so weird though about this unique situation. So 
they had been training, the black belts have been training for who knows how long. And the person, their black belt who they were under, his black belt was the one who was running the seminar. So after the seminar was over, he promoted both of them. And, you know, I'm not a person that I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about jujitsu lineage and how promotions work at that level. But basically the, the, the gist of what he said was like, I'm, a, I'm your instructor's instructor, so I can do this. But he's like, as a black belt, your, your time of having to prove yourself is over. You continue to promote because you're promoting the culture and you're teaching this class, you know, and even though it was a black belt and his wife and, you know, the wife seems like she was more so doing the behind the scenes thing. But be, because they were both black belts and they had met the the time requirements to be promoted to the next level, mm-hmm. he promoted both of them. And that was just like a, a like, wow, like moment because of just like one seeing jujitsu lineage like in real time happen. But then, like you said, it wasn't about just the black belt who was out there on the mats training and running the academy on an everyday basis. Even his wife, who had achieved the same rank and maybe do, like you said earlier, life circumstances and other responsibilities it didn't make her any less uh meeting the requirements to have that you know that promotion so mm-hmm. most definitely and everyone's different yeah that's the biggest thing i had to learn as a coach i'm like okay this person could beat up this person but that doesn't mean the person that's beating the other person up deserves a promotion any more or less than the next person. Everything is so subjective, man. And life and jujitsu is all subjective. Don't like to grade people against each other. You grade them t- against what they were the day prior. Yeah. How did they progress? I know um, you're trying to wrap it up. Uh, you mind if I give some shout outs? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Before you give out your shout outs, I wanted just to circle the last thing I really wanted to hit on was i mean we, we never give our jujitsu gyms uh, the credit they need so you can shout out the gym that you're that you're training out currently so those in the local area who who are who are who are like been looking that they got motivated by by a well-traveled black belt like yourself and they want to they want to be able to to get some rounds with you where can they find you at uh currently they can find me at uh portella jiu-jitsu um it's in aurora i could not tell you the address because once I go to a place enough, I'm on autopilot. I just get in the car and drive. I couldn't even tell okay. you three to some. But if you Google it, Portela, P-O-R-T-E-L-A, B-J-J, you will find it. Um, but I cannot just give that gym a shout out. You know, that's home. Sean, thank you for allowing me to train at your gym. But um, Uprising Jiu-Jitsu out at Yakota, um, it's like my foundation. You know, there's that word again. I went from white to purple over there, so not much has changed from my game. You know, once you're a per, you know, once you're a solid blue purple belt, nothing's changing from your game. Um, so uprising and axes out of Yokota and Tokyo, Japan. If you're ever out there, check them out. Um, uh, Saber Jiu Jitsu in Concord, California. My professor Brian, who gave me my brown and black belt. I can't thank that guy enough, man. He he also was uh, the first person to, to do a photo shoot with me where photo published in a magazine. So that was huge for me in my career. I thank him a lot for that. Uh, Train for Life in Sassoon, California. 
uh, sunny, running the gym, um, great environment. If you're ever in Sassoon, Fairfield, Vacaville, the, the Travis Air Force Base area, go check those guys out. Um, I'm definitely going to be popping in a lot. Um, if you're in Baton Rouge, my home, go to uh, Bayou Jiu-Jitsu with my, my boy Kevin, Kevin Bellard. Uh, yeah, really solid black belt, wrestling background. Coach MMA fighters as well. Older guy looks like Bill Goldberg, but solid jujitsu, solid judo, solid wrestling. He's just all around great grappler. Um, yeah, shout out to my girlfriend, mm. her son Gabriel, who I treat like a kid of my own. Uh, my mom, you know, gotta give moms a shout out. Absolutely. Shout out to the fight team. I said all their names earlier, but what I really want to do is take this time to shout out Blake who is fighting his pro debut um, May 20, oh, I'm sorry, April 22nd in Hawaii for Bellator. And I get to go out there and corner him for that fight. So I'm super excited about that. And Terrence, wrong term, Satan is having his pro debut as well at the end of May for uh, Uriah Faber's new promotion, Alpha One up in Sacramento, California. So if I could sneak out and get some leave, I'm going to definitely go to see his uh, pro debut as well. Awesome. Well, make sure you send me uh, all that information, all your socials on the back end, and I'll, I'll make sure that when we put this on the on the YouTube and on the, the podcast platforms, they'll be able to catch those things, especially with that April day that this will definitely be up by then. So that way people can be able to maybe buy some tickets and uh, go out there and support your team. You know, I think oh, it's yeah. great. Sure. It's great for you for this to, you know, the, the, this was a platform for, for me to get a chance to know you and for people to know you, but it really shows you are a man of what you talk about, about still being able to, to pay homage. I feel like, I feel like maybe that's just like how I feel like old school hip hop person, like paying homage to the people who helps you get there because it oh, keeps sure. you, keeps you grounded. So for sure. Well, thank you for your time and uh, the, the Squire Empire crew. We thank you. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch you on your next time. Oh, sorry. I know you just ended, but you oh, just reminded ahead. me go of ahead. a saying. Sorry. Never oh. forget where you came from, or you won't know where you're going. Okay. Hey, I'll add that to the notepad real quick. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on here in the future if you're interested. Oh, for sure, man. Anytime. This was like a lot easier than I thought it would be. I was so nervous at first, but yeah. You're a great host, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Well, Squire Empire signing out. We'll catch you all guys on here the next time.